Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There is no better of plants for flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. For a while I've been wanting to discuss one of my favourite flowers, Agapanthus. Today I'm joined by Patrick Fairweather from Fairweather's Wholesale Nursery in Bewley in Hampshire. They're one of the largest and most experienced growers of Agapanthus plants in Europe. My thanks to Mr Fothergill Seeds, sponsor of this podcast. Well, we needed the rain, uh, and we've had some now in Essex, but those repeated heavy showers over the weekend were frustrating. I got a good soak in three times trying to get uh, autumn mums planted at the Royal Horticultural Society's garden at Hyde Hall. Actually, in the rain, taking some of the pots off, uh, I noticed that the compost was still dry in some patches. Normally, under those conditions, I would have... uh, just drop the pot in a bucket of water until the bubbles stopped rising to make sure that that was really wet. But I'm afraid I just pressed on, uh, gave them all a good watering after they were planted, and then with the rain, that should really settle them in. Uh, we've spoken quite a bit about the floral fantasia area at uh, the Hyde Hall Gardens, and if you've not been able to get there, we've shot a short video. If you go on to Sun Gardening. .co.uk and just scroll down into videos and look for Floral Fantasia you can just see how colourful that uh, area still is uh, at this time of year What's in the news this week? Uh, Well I was very interested to read that research scientists at the University of Alberta have found that sunflowers are very polite They send fewer roots out into nutrient-rich areas of soil when another sunflower's roots is uh, growing in the same patch. Reminds me of good table manners, you know, when somebody hands you a plate of very nice cakes, you have to take the ones nearest to you. And and now we've got sunflowers doing much the same, that when their roots spread out in the soil, if they meet uh, another lot of roots going into a very rich bit of soil... Uh, they hold back and share. I mean, prior research has already shown that plants react to one another underground. And the uh, Alberta research just confirms that. Remarkable that uh, two plants can behave in ways that are beneficial to both. We've always known that wider spacing gives larger plants, but hadn't realised that some plant roots respect uh, others searching for food in the same area. Goodness, we have a lot to learn about this business yet, don't we? Earlier this week, I popped in and saw the Curley family in Cambridgeshire. 
they breed petunias. And boy, do they breed some petunias. They started over 20 years ago with a double variety that's called Priscilla. And now they have six series. There's a series called Ovation, which has mounded growth that suits patio containers. They have Presto, which is a bit more upright. They have Fanfare. They have Designer, which has a pretty unusual colours flowers. And then Titan, which are the very big flowers. But uh, David Curley and his son Tim are really bent on getting plants that will resist the weather. And if you go and walk their rows after really heavy rain, unlike the old-fashioned and rather traditional petunias, uh, they won't be all spotted and brown and dying with disease. Uh, They just take the wind and the wet very well indeed. Currently, they have 100 different varieties in uh, the laboratory in test tubes. That's how they maintain the stock to keep it clean. And, of course, all of the uh, curly hybrids uh, are propagated from cuttings. Uh, They've got a new fanfare blue and a new red for 2021. And the reds, they are an unbelievable clear red. That was always the difficult colour in the past. But uh, the plant breeders are really giving us some unusual and very clean, attractive colour. I was there late afternoon, it was quite warm, and the fragrance is another thing. We tend to forget how scented petunias are. But back home, I'm afraid my garden is still rather like the uh, cobbler's children's shoes. I'm desperately trying to catch up and uh, things just keep getting in the way. The lawn, for example, it's like walking on a thick pile carpet and desperately in need of scarifying. Most of this summer, to save time, I've cut with a hover mower. Uh, And now, of course, there's an awful lot of thatch to be removed. I'll probably get somebody to come in with a machine to do that. And once they have given it a really good raking and taken out all that old rough dead grass... I'll overseed with half an ounce per square yard of new seed. Uh, And then, if I can get myself together enough, return to my trusty push mower and get the lawn back into some sort of condition. I have got uh, two compost bins emptied uh, and one of them refilled again pretty well straight away. I love to have put two or three uh, hods of lawn mowings into the bottom of an empty uh, compost bin and then heap the stuff on top of it and within three or four days the whole lot is steaming hot if I push a cane in and then pull it out and put my hand on the cane it can get so hot you can hardly hold it that really gets the stuff rotting down the material that I have dug out from the bins is now stacked on the vegetable garden ready to uh, start the winter digging There's one thing, once I get the plot dug, ideally this side of Christmas, at least that lot will be clean and I'll be up to date with that. I am collecting seeds from both scabious and sweet peas and that's a job you need to do pretty well every day when the weather's hot because they dry quite quickly and if you're not careful, they shed before you've got them and stored in paper bags 
always paper bags, never polythene. Polythene is too wet. And the one thing you want with home harvested seeds is to dry them. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Several weeks ago at a trade show, I bumped into Patrick Fairweather. Uh, I hadn't seen him for a little while and... Uh, twisted his arm and persuaded him to uh, come on for the interview this week. Now, I knew his father. I seem to have known everybody's father. But Patrick seems to be uh, a master of all trades, garden centre, nursery and specialist in agapanthus. Patrick, can you give us a little idea of how the business started? Yes, sure. Um, Well, my father's initial interest in horticulture started in tea farming and he was based in East Africa and worked for Brook Bond. But um, his first first job coming back to the UK was as the general manager at Exbury, where he managed the nursery that in its time was producing a lot of rhododendrons and azaleas. I mean, they had um, a very skilled knifesman there, didn't they? A really skilled propagator. I forget his name. Um, so Vic Pikalow- Vic um, yes, Pikalowski. You, that's it, yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And they, 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 they propagated up a very high water tower, if you remember, the, in, in the Exbury Estate Yard. Yes, that's right. Um, extraordinary set up, carrying cuttings upstairs and then bringing them back down prepared. And they were, you know, stuck into very old Victorian glass houses. But they had great success in their day with the skills that they had. But it would have been a great place for your father to learn those skills. If he'd oh, ca- absolutely. If he'd come back from tea planting, yeah. Uh, absolutely, no. And he, he really, really learned everything there because he hadn't, he hadn't had a formal um, horticultural training, but... At the same time as he joined Exbury, he met my mother, who was one of the last students to come out of Waterperry when it was a, a, a women's only horticultural college. And the, the two of them decided that they were going to start our garden centre in Bewley Village, um, which uh, was in 1961. Which, of course, in those days, the concept of a garden centre, the plants were grown still in the ground. They were not in pots. But uh, he made a he made a trip to America and saw people using old baked bean tins as pots and and came back in about sixty two and started doing that very same thing of growing plants in reused food tins. I hadn't realised that he was in with those pioneers. Yeah, there's three names that did stick with me, but I hadn't realised. Uh, that Christopher was one of them, yeah. Yeah, it was very similar timing to when, uh, well, Stuart started the same, and we're, yeah. obviously we're not far apart, but uh, 
he saw the opportunity because it you know obviously allowed people to sell plants year round um which um until then the planting season was limited to when plants were lifted and bare rooted in sort of autumn through till spring so the garden center we know very picturesque down there in the new forest when did the nursery and why the nursery so we uh, he he started the nursery uh, about a mile away from the garden centre on a greenfield site um, in the late 70s, about 78, and uh, initially started growing conifers in the ground. I think he found that he couldn't buy everything that he wanted to sell for the garden centre, so he started propagating particularly new and unusual plants. And uh, I mean, one of his earliest finds was. Um, uh, Leylandi Castle Well and Gold, which he found in a hedge as a, as a sport in Northern Ireland. And I think from that plant and others on, then he saw the opportunity of starting to grow for the wholesale market because there, were, there was an, op- an interest in more new um, varieties. You're opening a whole new book to me. <laughs> you know, having grown Castle Well and Gold for so many years, you know, it's a good plant given the right treatment. I hadn't realised that I had to thank Christopher for that. In the 80s as well, he started a nursery back in Kenya because he never he found it hard to leave Africa behind. And we started growing camellias in, in, uh, on, a, on a tea nursery. Obviously, they're the same variety. And he, he brought them back. Um, the initial intention was to grow them for the Dutch auctions, but uh, we never got to the volumes of that. And uh, uh, but you know he was bringing unrooted material of um, Eliagnus for ten years, and uh, you know he was well before his time of of in terms of you know thinking about offshore cutting production. But he was doing it with woody plants rather than now. What we see is obviously all the annuals being produced in Africa. Now they were pretty big shoes to fill. They were, but uh, we got on very well. He was, he, was a, he was a very good teacher. He was very patient, and uh, the business, fortunately, he had the opportunity to expand. So we had, uh, initially, I didn't get involved in the garden centre and was focused on the nursery. We were growing a lot of container trees in those days, as well as um, young nine-centimetre, uh, well, in fact, in those days, eight-centimetre liners that, I remember all being packed into old tea crates when I first started, but no, he was uh, he was he was he he was a very patient teacher, and uh, I, having had no training myself, I learnt on the job with him and and my mother, and have, have have been allowed to build the business from there. And so now you have a sizable business in what we call liners, supplying young plants, but a particular specialism in agapanthus. I wonder if I could bore you just for a minute or two, because I've just read a piece by Robin Lane Fox, a gardening journalist I have the greatest respect for, who's writing about meeting Arthur Hellyer. Uh, um, Arthur was a great garden writer, book author and all sorts, and he was the one who rejected my first submission of a gardening column, so (laughs) I remember Arthur Hellyer rather well. Uh, But in 1971... Uh, Arthur said to Robin Lane Fox, uh, gardeners would wake up to Agapanthus and their colour range would be transformed. Uh, Now, that was the comment in 1971, and you're certainly doing that today, aren't you? I think so. I think we've we've grown the market um, and 
consumer interest significantly. Um, not, I mean, thank, thanks to many people who've had the vision of, of uh, what a great plant they are and, and what pleasure they bring people. I think somehow they seem to bring a ray of sunshine, a memory of holidays and uh, you know the range uh, of colors of habits of flowering times have significantly increased and it's really only just the beginning of the journey now uh, you tend to uh, specialize within the smaller size the nine centimeter uh, how, how are they produced right so we uh, all, all the plants that we produce are produced in vitro so in in tissue culture we take uh, we take a very young flowering bud of a, a, a plant um, and put it into um, tissue culture in a laboratory in the UK and then from there on once we look towards increased uh, volumes we ship the culture which is a sterile uh, in, a, in a sterile medium to various labs around the world including India China and Indonesia and they're, they're, they're brought back in, um, as I say, as, as in sterile conditions where we then plant them into little plugs. And they're then, they're then taking about uh, two years before they would reach the consumer as a flowering plant in garden centres. Right. And now there are two types, narrow leaf and broad leaf. Is that still the case? Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that. It was it was always um, felt that you know the the deciduous ones tended to have narrower leaves uh, and were hardier, and the evergreens were the broader leaves. But in fact, a lot of the hybridisation has actually muddled that up, and now it's much much harder to identify whether a plant is deciduous or evergreen from its um, its leaf. But as a whole, you know, some of the narrower leaves are more compact and 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 shorter that is that is true you know i find life getting increasingly complicated uh, and i and i can't remember all the detail so if if we were thinking of uh, having some agapanthus in the garden either in the border or the containers can you recommend uh, a few names i mean the one that i can remember is fireworks yeah well, fireworks is is a plant that we launched at um, at Chelsea this year, and it got third in the best new plant competition. Um, it's a it's a new evergreen that's been bred uh, in South Africa um, from a breeding program that is uh, producing many good new varieties, um, and it's it's got a, a fantastic bicolor flower. So it's got a, a, a blue base that then flares out to white petals. Um, it is evergreen. Um, and it's probably best, therefore, grown in a pot. And that's that's the, the main kind of decision probably that people need to make. If they want to plant in a border, they're better off picking a deciduous variety that is hardier, will lose its leaves every winter. But sometimes the flowers are slightly less flamboyant and the colour mix is not quite as wide as the evergreens, which, unless you're in a mild part of the country, are better planted in pots so they can be given a little bit of winter protection. And what, and what does that mean? Does, do I need a cold greenhouse? Can it go against a south-facing wall? How far north? Uh, right. So well, many if questions. you've got it, there are many different factors that can determine what it, what, what an agapanthus will survive. But ultimately, they've got very fleshy roots. So the one thing they won't like is a combination of wet and cold. So if you can, if you've got a greenhouse or a, 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 a conservatory or a bright porch, 
uh, great. That would be the first thing. If not, pull them under the eaves of the house to save them getting so much winter rain. Um, and if not, um, pop a bit of fleece over the top as well. Um, normally, we would say probably evergreen varieties will survive down to minus five or ten. But because they form their flower buds in the autumn before they flower, if the top of the plant gets heavily frosted, whilst the plant may survive, it means that you may get less flowers the following year. So unless it's certainly coastal areas, west coast of Scotland, all the way down into the West Country and, and west coast of Wales, where you've got a bit of Gulf Stream, and also in urban areas, you probably get away with the evergreens being left outside without too much attention. But in more rural areas, it's worth trying to make sure they get that extra bit of protection. Now, you've given me a gem of information with the news that the flower bud is laid down now. Yeah. So presumably it's worth feeding in late summer, early autumn. It certainly is. And, uh, you know, obviously making sure you pick the right feed, so high potash, so you want to be using, you know, a a tomorite or a miracle Grow, something you'd use to encourage flowers rather than a nitrogen-based fertiliser. And, um, yeah, feeding in into August, early September is a good thing. Uh, and one other key um, bit of advice is there's always been advice to dry your plant off if it's evergreen as you think about bringing it into the greenhouse or into the porch. But in fact, again, we believe that if you dry the plant back too much in autumn, it can also have an impact on the way that the flower forms. So... For the evergreen varieties that keep growing through the winter, you do want to make sure that you keep the compost moist. They like moisture, but they don't like sitting wet. That's extremely useful. Yeah. What other plants have you got to tempt us? Because it's not just agapanthus that you're introducing. Our other big range is lavenders. um, And uh, predominantly we grow uh, the hardy English lavender. Angustifolia is obviously the... Our biggest um, and most popular variety is Hidcote, which many people will know, named after the famous garden in the Cotswolds. Uh, but lots of other newer varieties as well that have been bred for different flower colours and form. Uh, the French lavenders, which we also grow, which are the ones that got the little flags or sterile bracts, um, are slightly less popular because they're not as hardy, but uh, people still like them for more sheltered parts of the garden or to grow in pots. Uh, Patrick, can I just uh, take you off to another subject? You do quite a bit with schools. And the last time I was down, which is good many years ago, too many years ago, I think, uh, you actually had a school garden across the road from the garden centre. Are you still doing that work? Yeah, very much so. So we we have school visits uh, every term week of the year from our local school in Bewley but also from other schools in the area. And they, they come and join in in whatever activities uh, our garden needs, whether it be planting, um, harvesting, weeding, making compost. And then at the end of the sessions, they get a chance of tasting some raw vegetables, whether it be lettuce, beans. Uh, so, but the, the, the idea is that uh, we're trying to give them a better understanding of where their food comes from and equip them with some skills which seem to have been increasingly lost as children grow up in a different different age of uh, of phones and uh, social media. 
but in practice they actually love it, don't they? They abandon their phones for a little while once they can get their hands dirty and splash water about. Yeah, no, they they do, and and I mean, many of them return, you know, with their parents, very proud to show their parents what they've done, what they've been involved in, and uh, you know, we've begun to see now some children returning for work experience. So, um, sowing a seed early has has really proved to us that you know you can you can catch the imagination of youngsters, uh, and hopefully it'll be something that they'll retain for the rest of their life, and. Uh, some of them now we know come and tell us about the gardens that they've encouraged their parents to to start um, with a bit of vegetable growing in their back garden, which has been very rewarding. But if uh, there are any listeners who are interested in getting agapanthus, do you supply direct? Yes, people can order straight online from our um, our website, La- agapanthus and lavenders, um, www.fairweathers.co.uk, or obviously they can visit our garden centre in Bewley Village where we carry some stock but not everything that you want so if people want specific varieties it's best they check in advance if it's in stock www.fairweathers.co.uk that's right yeah so that's easy enough Patrick as soon as I can I want to pop down and see that school garden (laughs) and the garden centre again yeah thank you very much for today okay no problem speak to you soon What's on? Well, from the 4th to the 6th of this month, it's the Taste of Autumn show at RHS Hyde Hall. What was the uh, fruit and vegetable show that used to be held in Vincent Square in London? Uh, And, of course, that show, now at Hyde Hall, also is home for the giant pumpkin competition. So it'll be the start of uh, those enthusiasts desperately keen to break world records to wheel out huge pumpkins some of them weighing close to a ton you you can't understand why they do it but there you are my thanks to Mr Fothergill Seeds sponsor of this podcast and thanks to you for listening enjoy your garden we'll be back next Thursday Discover more at sungardening.co.uk Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.